Um, I saw some YouTube videos, so I, I believe that that's how, you know, uh, like customers were probably, some of them were finding out. Now, it would be something, you know, very kind of uh, basic, like say, if you get a butter knife, everyone knows how to use it. But say if it has to be used in certain sophisticated ways so that they get better results out of it, that's what's what, you know, what was my instruction. And pretty much every other retailer was ignoring that. I guess that was the main reason I started getting five-star reviews. And you wouldn't believe, I think up to my first product variation, which had, I think, two or three variations, mm-hmm. it had up to about 40. So it was in different sizes and stuff like that. But initially, when I had only a few of them, I think up to about 1,400 or 1,500 reviews, my average rate, you know, uh, rating was 4.9. So it used to still show up as five-star reviews, up to about 1,500 reviews. After that, it went down to 4.8. So, you know, then it shows 4.5. And there's no other seller with so many reviews. Welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show where we interview founders of fast-growing seven- and eight-figure e-commerce businesses and e-commerce experts. They'll tell their stories, share how they 2 x their businesses, and inspire you to take action in your own online retail business today. And now, here he is, the man in the mix, Kunle Campbell. As an online retailer or supplier, you're well aware that accurate product content drives more sales. However, as your store starts to scale, the harsh reality is that maintaining product description content becomes more and more of a challenge to e-commerce teams. This is a problem Salsify solves. Salsify is a SaaS-based product content management platform built specifically for online retailers and brand owners. I recently took Salsify on a test drive, and here are the glaring advantages e-tailers stand to gain. First, your entire product catalog can be accessed by any department in a centralized hub. Then there's a workflow setup that ensures no fields go amiss when product data is published to multiple channels such as Amazon, your Google Merchants account, or just directly to your e-commerce store. Salsify tells you when it spots missing critical data across your product catalog. It's a flexible and robust product management platform. I recommend if your store and brand products catalog changes often and if you publish to numerous channels. As a 2x e-commerce listener, you can get to trial Salsify for free at salsify.com forward slash 2x that is s-a-l-s-i-f-y dot com forward slash 2x i'll leave more details and a link on this episode show notes hi guys i just wanted to give you the heads up that this is going to be a two-part series um because the our conversation um, lasted for two hours, and I wouldn't want to bombard you in a single episode with um, with two hours. So this particular episode you'd be listening to on a Tuesday, and the part two would come out on the Thursday on the same week. This first episode really gives a good background on, on Saj, and it also talks about his approach and. Um, his strategy philosophy to to selling on amazon part two is more tactical so stay tuned this is really going to be good because um if you're interested in in selling on amazon um in the uk especially sag is 
is he just has a, a lot of knowledge. So stay tuned and um, enjoy the listen. Hello, guys. Welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast. And today I have with me Saj Giuliani. He is our first UK-based expert Amazon seller I've invited onto the show. I'll give you a little bit about him because he's going to tell you a lot, you know, about um himself and his journey really. He started selling on Amazon in 2011 with only 300 pounds, which is about 500 US dollars and a humongous 37.5% APR credit card. Those, you know, those almost payday loan type credit cards. But fast forward four years on, he's running a seven-figure Amazon business split between private label and retail arbitrage. He's also a fellow podcaster. He hosts the um, Anybody Can Do It podcast and runs a blog. He runs an academy on there where he trains students on um, on how to sell on Amazon. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Saj to the show. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me, mate. Oh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Okay, so could you take about 30 seconds or, or 60 seconds, a minute to, to introduce yourself and tell tell our listeners a bit, you know, about you? Yeah, this, pretty, um, this is Saj. So I'm from, uh, you know, I'm from India originally. I came to UK as an international student. Um, after a while, it was really hard to survive because I had to be earning at a certain level to stay in this country and to apply for, like, for permanent residency. So that's when, you know, I thought... Uh, Starting something of my own uh, would kind of help me get there. So it was eBay initially, which we can probably get into, you know, later on. Uh, then eBay blocked me. That's how, you know, it opened doors for Amazon. And that's pretty much, I guess you have pretty much nailed it in the, uh, you know, the intro. And hopefully we can, uh, I can give you a little bit more information as going forward. That is brilliant. I never picked up you, you, you actually sold on eBay and, um, and they banned you. So um, you were in uni. Were you in London at the time or um, another city? Yeah, no, I was, I've was. i always been in London. Uh, it was kind of an accountancy college, so I came here to study, uh, kind of being an accountant. <laughs> so I am actually a qualified accountant. Okay. Uh, Which is I good. Found, <laughs> yeah, it's good for at least my accountancy. Mm. Uh, but I never, never, never fancied it. I mean, I worked in retail. Uh, that's when I used to do a little bit of eBay. To be very honest, I mean, I was always kind of anxious and you know excited about working for myself since I was in college I used to um, do like part-time work I used to build PCs uh, I used to set up like internet cafes in India and wow. uh, so that was my part-time job then me and my maid like we used to like when mobile phones became like uh, you know quite popular in India and in like, in like college kids we used to like buy and then resell them and make a little bit of money so I've always been like entrepreneurial since then but unfortunately like when I came here it's only after I came here, I came to know that I can only work 20 hours. Uh, I can't do any self-employed jobs, uh, you know, like business or anything like that. So that pretty much changed and kind of put a lot of pressure because when you come from India, it's like one pound is like 100 rupees there. So, you you know, you're converting your own money and then coming here to study. Uh, and I thought that I was allowed to work. It's only when you come here, you, you were told that you can't work. Mm. And the rules kept on changing. So... It was quite a bit of struggle. Um, I don't know if you guys, uh, if your listeners have actually heard my uh, intro or, you know, a couple of webinars that I did with other people. But you know, one at one time, I mean, the situation was so worse that I used to work in PC World. Um, mm. For your US listeners, it's something like Walmart or I think Best Buy would be yeah, the best. Like best Buy, yes. Um, and I used to, because I was allowed to work only 20 hours and that was outside London. So I used to work four hours on Friday. And Saturday and Sunday would be another eight hours. Mm. And pretty much for all three days, 
my lunch would be a digestive biscuit. So, so that would be spread in three days. That's how much I could afford as a lunch. Oh, so, yeah, pretty much. Rough me, I guess yeah. a lot of motivation and. So, so rewind twenty eleven. Um, were you had you finished uni then, or were you in uni? Um, no, I had finished my accountancy okay. course. And okay. After that, basically, it's only after to the end of two thousand and nine. That's when I was basically then allowed to work. Okay. Uh, so I was doing a part time eBay a little bit because I didn't have money. The problem was every time I went and applied for something like a credit card, I didn't even get like a a, a contract phone because they needed three years history, and I came here only in two thousand and six. I think I only got my contract phone in, I think, about 2009. Before that, I had to use prepaid phone because every time you applied for a credit in the UK, they say you don't have a three years history and, you know, it would just automatically decline you. Yeah. So getting finance was obviously not possible. So uh, initially I had a couple of my friends they had because they were all in like students as well. But some of them obviously were well-to-do, you know, from well-to-do uh, family from back home. So they had a little bit of money. So, you know, I, I used to like borrow a couple of hundred pounds and then return them because at that time eBay the good thing about PayPal was you could withdraw it straight away and like Amazon you had to wait like for 14 days I mean at that point I, I didn't even knew that Amazon exists because mm. coming from India eBay was a little bit like kind of known there Amazon the only thing I knew was like there's something related to books that's all I knew uh, I didn't mm. knew that they had a marketplace so I never sold there when eBay I started selling a little bit here and there you know because we had our own like concession store inside uh, PC World, which was like phones for you. And uh, I think they, they used to have like a link store, which was their own store. So I used to buy a couple of phones here and there, you know, like accessories when they're on clearance and then sell them on eBay. That's how I started. Okay. Okay. And then how long, how long did you sell on, on eBay before they, they kicked you out? Um, um, I think after that, I mean, obviously, because once I bought a couple of items from my own store, uh, and then my manager said that we couldn't, I couldn't do that uh, because it was in terms of service that if I'm an employee, I can't buy stock from my own store to resell. So then I used to somehow I saw an ad on Gumtree, okay. uh, um, which is I guess like Craigslist in US, uh, and that was like a Chinese link, and it uh, that took me to AliExpress. So the only thing I knew a little bit about was phones and computing. You know, that's what I had done back home as well. So I started doing like charges and. Uh, batteries and stuff because obviously that's all I could afford anyways in the money that I had mm. um, and then I did a little bit of RA I mean I didn't even knew a term RA all I thought was I was buying something and selling because I didn't hear about these Facebook groups so I didn't know what retail art was and what kind of private label was uh, but I knew that I'm buying something to resell that's all I knew mm. uh, and I think I bought a couple of items from one of the big retailers and I sold uh, I think it was quarter four, I'm 100% sure. So I was like buying and selling, buying and selling, quickly withdrawing money and buying. And suddenly they asked me for the receipts because obviously, you know, when the, the when your account activity goes up, suddenly uh, they take you as a suspicious seller because mm. similar situations so I can understand. Uh, because I've seen a lot of big retailers have done similar things and then ran away with their customers' money, you know. So uh, they asked me the receipts and... You know, I didn't know what basically to write in the email. So I just uploaded uh, like a scanned receipt. And the email that I got back saying was, uh, you know, your business model uh, model is quite risky for us. So we're not going to allow you to sell anymore. <laughs> Ouch. Okay. 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 Right. And, and that just fueled your 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 your, your move to, to Amazon. So, so what did the first year of, of business in Amazon, this is um, 2011, look like? 
Right. Yes. Yeah. So in between, I mean, obviously, as I said, I still didn't knew that I could sell on Amazon. And this was like 2010, I think, when they blocked me. The worst part was they kind of blocked the money for six months. So I didn't have anything left. Uh, that's how PayPal works. So uh, in between, I uh, ended up onto one of the wholesale forums where I cleared my stock, what I had. Uh, and someone there actually told me, why don't you sell on Amazon? And I said, I don't even know how to sell on Amazon. They said, you know, it's pretty much like eBay. But it's like existing page, so you don't have to create your page. And somehow I just landed there and started selling there. Uh, but then there, that's when I applied for that three hundred pound credit card. Wow! Uh, and that's how pretty much I started. But it was very limited stuff I could do, you know, at that time because you get paid once in fourteen days. Mm-hmm. So you have to like buy two or three or four items at a time. So I started working again for Curry's, which is part of PC World, same company, part time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did a little bit of, uh, you know, AliExpress at that time. Um, and yeah, that, that's how I pretty much started. So I would use the money. But I realized at that time that I had to do retail up in, in a sense where the margins were really high. So with retail up, I mean, you know, I tell the, like a lot of people that you have to keep evolving and you have like different techniques. So how I started was I would search for end of line items. So not something which is like, I mean, there's hundreds of items on shelves as well, you know, in store and online arbitrage, but then not everything would have a similar kind of, uh, you know, margin. Sometimes you just make five or 10 and that's not feasible because you can use your 300 pound once only in 14 days. Hmm. So there was an item actually, which I bought, which really got me excited. Uh, I don't know if you remember, there was like those flip camcorders. Yes. <laughs> Uh, bloggies, Sony bloggies and flip camcorders from Cisco, they were very popular, right. but they were going like, out of style because of, you know, mobile phones having now cameras. But I knew that some people would still prefer that. And especially I found that every time I sold that, it was mainly the schools who actually bought them. Mm. So maybe they had some use with it, like for their students, you know, like for projects and stuff. So that was something I bought from uh, one of the retailers, I think for about 40, 50 quid on average. They, they always had different price on their eBay outlet. And I resold that uh, in different prices, but you wouldn't believe, I mean, those on an average, I must have bought them like for 40, 50 quid or even sometimes at 30 pounds. And I resold them for up to, I think, about 300 pounds as well. Wow. At one point. So the worst thing was like they used to list a lot on their clearance outlet on eBay. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I never had money to buy them. So I would only like even if they listed 10, I could only buy sometimes like two or three because the money was stuck on something else. Sometimes they listed even 50 to clear out, uh, but I wouldn't have money. So, you know, the big sellers would obviously buy them mm-hmm. and they would sell as well. So I would have to undercut them and then obviously sell my, you know, couple of units that I had. But but that kind of taught me that, you know, if I could find something like this, then, you know, the money could churn quickly, you know, into like big amounts. Mm. So that, that was pretty much start of 2011 on eBay. I mean, on Amazon. So it was right was really at the start, and then at the end of like so so you started like your private label um, Amazon business. So it was still within the, the same Amazon account in 2013. Um. So so what did business look like between 2011 and 2013 prior to starting your, your PLA? Right. Your so private label. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the situations obviously got a little bit better because I've tried, you know, I started finding uh, or sporting these kind of products, which would help me. Uh, and then, you know, because I had obviously gone over three years in the UK now, so I started you know, applying for certain credit cards. So it was all pretty much credit card, uh, you know, business anyways. Wow. Uh, 
uh, obviously I started getting a little bit more credit cards. Uh, and I, I mean, after I finished my studies, I got like uh, work permits. So that changed a little bit. So obviously that gives you a little bit of more uh, like kind of credit history. It had already been like four years, four or five years now. So it, it's just like, obviously at that time it was all retail up. And suddenly what happened is one of the companies um, is actually a big company who used to supply uh, stock. It's uh, if you know Peter Jones, Dragons Den. Yes. Dragons Den. Um, he owns actually that company, and he supply. They used to be a big supplier to phones for you and a lot of other, uh, you know, big retailers. So they used to mainly do phones and uh, these networking equipments. And suddenly there was a one new product that came out in the market. I don't know if you remember when Wi-Fi people started using a lot of Wi-Fi, you know, in their house. The the biggest problem was that the signals would drop. Like say when you're upstairs or when you're two rooms further down because of the wall. Mm. Uh, Hawaii came out with these like range extenders at that time. Mm. Uh, I didn't even knew that that product exists, but maybe these people had, um, the company had uh, like a division where they were looking out for online retailers. So they must have seen that I sell similar kind of retail items and they contacted me and they said, you know, if I would like to sell this item. Um, and I didn't knew anything about that, but they said you could just buy 10, but they were giving like a Hawaii like a smartphone free with that. Mm. So it was like a win-win situation because I checked on Amazon. So Amazon was obviously selling them, but because it was an item which was still on pre-order status, it already kind of, you know, it was like higher in search, but Amazon was showing it will be in stock in four weeks time. And they said they were the first people uh, who would get in stock uh, because of the size of the company and whatever, you know, the relationship they had with Hawaii. So they said, we will have it in two weeks time. You can sell it. This is how much you know Amazon is selling it. Uh, and I saw that I could easily make, I think, about two or three pounds on each. So they said, all you have to buy right now is 10. That's okay. it. And and we're still giving you another phone absolutely free, of course. So I thought, you know, it's a win-win situation. The worst thing is, even if these, like, sell at cost, I, I still have a phone. So that would be, like, a free, free yeah, sell and make money out of it. And, oh, my God, I listed them. And the craze went so high because Amazon would just take off their listing after some pre-orders, I guess, you know. So it started, I mean, this is like obviously to cut it short. I mean, it's there was point where sometimes I've even sold like 300 a day. Wow. And the, the worst part was I still, at that point, I still didn't have that much money. So I had some credit cards. So I told them that this is the situation. And they said, because you are a private, uh, you know, company and you're over one year trading, we'll do a credit check and we'll give you a credit limit. So everything went good that way. And, and you know, the demand was so high that the order was always on pre-order status with them. And and obviously, just like me, they must have approached a couple of other Amazon sellers. So they were getting stock as well. But because it's a new product, everyone's scared, of, you know, with kind of probably stocking them. Stock so yes, everyone's probably, you know, ordering 50 at a time and then they're going out of stock. And then they have to wait for another week. And in between, you know, I just thought this is like one opportunity I need to probably grab. Uh, if things go bad, they go bad. If it goes good, then, you know, I would be the only seller. And I think I, I, I started ordering like 500 at a time. Mm. And, and others were probably ordering only like 50, 100 at a time. And because it was the only product at that time, it was selling so high that uh, it reached to like, the, you know, the best seller rank. And I guess this is the problem that everyone had. I still have it as well. Uh, I've got two range extenders in my house. So. Um, everything went good. I started selling a lot, but obviously the price was started and then Amazon was obviously listing them as well. So they started undercutting sometimes. So there was a situation there where I probably was making only a pound or pound 50 net, you know, after tax and everything, mm -hmm. but then selling like hundreds a day. 
And you might think, you know, this is not bad. The first part was, you know, I wasn't using FBA. I didn't even knew that I think FBA was there or not. Uh, but I was just fulfilling it myself. So it was pretty oh, much. Wow, you're not using. No, <laughs> uh, and I, I think that time FBA was quite new. Okay. Uh, I probably didn't even knew about it. It was just like sponsored ad. When sponsored ads started in the UK, they didn't roll it out to everyone. They picked up, uh, they cherry picked some sellers. Like I remember I was invited as well. Uh, and I didn't even knew what, like, how to use it because, I mean, I thought, you know, I don't even have my own product. What am I going to use it for? Because everyone else is selling it. Mm. So I didn't even use when they invited me for, uh, for the sponsor that. So pretty much like, again, to, you know, cut it short because otherwise I'll keep talking about it. Like just get pretty much excited about the, uh, you know, the past. Uh, but I sold a lot. And then one stage, what happened is probably Amazon got their biggest stock. So obviously their pricing would have been much more better than mine. <laughs> that that's that goes without saying. So, so I cleared my last lot at um, at a little bit of loss. Some of them at cost when they increased because Amazon moves their price several times a day. Um, but that that day, I that something like sparked in my mind. I said I didn't knew what private label was as a term, but I thought I should have something of my own brand because mm. I I personally think I I still think that I was probably. After Amazon, I was the only seller which, who would have sold like thousands of those. Others would have obviously contributed to the rank because everyone was selling it. But I thought, you know, because of me, I mean, I just thought in my mind, obviously it was not because of me, but I thought I must have sold so much that this item is now number one seller. Unfortunately, I can't sell it now because Amazon's buying price is obviously different. It's a regular item now, so Amazon will always be in stock. So what benefit I, you know, I got out of it? Yes, I made, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of grand, I would say, you know, in, in profits out of that. I lost some of them at the end of the you know, season when Amazon got stock. But what's the point now? It's their listing. They're going to keep dominating that as long as they can have stock. And they, why wouldn't they order if they, I mean, you know, if they went to a buy, I'm sure they, they would give them thousands and thousands because Amazon is a big retailer. So that sparked something in my mind saying that I should have something of my own. And I always used to be, you know, fancy like a lot of these logos like Nike, Squash and stuff. I was always interested in uh, like Ad Hardy as well. I used to read about it. And, you know, I mean, look at it. I mean, you know, they had those tattooed kind of T-shirts and, you know, a T-shirt would sell for like 50 60 $70, uh, super dry. So I always used to monitor these kind of brands. And I said, you know, what? there should, I mean, I should start something of my own. Unfortunately, I didn't know what to start <laughs> Uh, that was just in my mind. And then I used to follow another wholesale forum, which I mentioned in between, you know, that eBay and Amazon thing, uh, where I then resell some of my products when uh, eBay booted me off. Um, fortunately, I think I kept on emailing someone in eBay higher up because I used to be on, you know, a couple of these live forums. Uh, and somehow they opened my account, but then I never traded there because Amazon by then, you know, was quite regular for me. And you could always get a better pricing on Amazon. But you have to keep in mind that your products were up to date. You know, the box couldn't be like damaged here and there. eBay customers would accept anything because their price uh, sensitive, yeah. customers, whereas Amazon customer, I mean, I, I understood that very early that they want everything up to date. You know, the boxes should arrive in proper condition. They needed invoice. Most of them were like business customers buying them. So I saw the difference why Amazon customers would pay a little bit more. Uh, and that excited me. But then still the other thing was what to sell. So I still kept on doing this retail art thing. Um, and then on another forum, I saw a guy who used to do a little bit of uh, RA like me. Mm-hmm. And suddenly after a year, I saw a post from him uh, that he was uh, reselling some of his own branded products because there was a robbery or something at his place. And he had to pay up, you know, his credit cards and stuff like that. So he was reselling his 
existing kind of PL item for cheap price if someone wanted to buy just so that he could have, you know, a cash uh, cash flow for a little bit of time. Okay. And I suddenly thought, oh my God, look at him. Like, you know, he was selling something similar to what I used to do. Mm-hmm. And suddenly he's transformed into one of the best brands on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I started following his, like, obviously his products and stuff. And I, that just, you know, that was the second trigger. And the third one was I went to into one of the retail outlets because I wanted to gift uh, something. And without giving out, you know, what exactly the product was, otherwise it just relates to my product as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just like uh, the easiest example was like, say you buy something in a store and then you ask them to gift wrap it. And because that was the added product, they said, do you want to buy this because you get 50% off? You know, there's like all these retail outlets always have the, that kind of schemes. And I said, okay, you know, yeah, I'll take the, uh, the you know, the added product. But say if, if it was something like a gift wrap, no one, you know, uh, in store, the employees wouldn't want to gift wrap it because they thought they would spoil it. And that just made me think, you know, why are they so concerned about it? I mean, is that like a big problem that they couldn't gift wrap it so easily or they would spoil it? I mean, obviously it was not gift wrap, but it was something to explain what it could be. Mm-hmm. And that then, you know, that was, that was that light bulb moment. I said, you know, this is a product I want to go for to start off with because it was the cheapest product, uh, you know, in the niche that I would be interested in. And I thought, if people were really concerned, I mean, if the store employees were so concerned that they would spoil that add-on product when they, you know, combine that with the actual product, then that gives me a chance that I could study that up. And that's how I thought this is it, you know, I mean, not private label, but this is this is what my brand would start with. And in the end of 2013, I ordered some samples from AliExpress and then I came to know about Alibaba, so I ordered from there as well. And in 2014, then it pretty much, you know, I branded it myself and started my private label journey. Well, that's, that, that was a, a long, long journey. Um, and so what quantities did you initially get from AliExpress? And did you just sell it on or did you just order the samples based on the fact that um, you wanted to see it, um, see exactly the quality, just to quality check it, quality check it? Yeah, I mean, AliExpress, I mean, that was a big mistake. So obviously I ordered AliExpress, but they came in like random packaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just basically sold them. Uh, I, I can't even remember now. I, I pretty much think I didn't even sell them online. The AliExpress one, I just gave it to some of the stores, uh, you know, my retail stores, uh, like small convenience stores near my house. Because uh, I had a couple of my friends who had uh, concession kind of stores mm-hmm. in smaller shops. And then I went on Alibaba, but it was so... It was like a maze because I thought, you know, AliExpress like kind of sellers are showing you the price. Why are these guys not showing the price? So the first thing you always think and you, you think about those early, you know, online scams is that someone's going to scam you because they don't even tell you the price. That means they're just going to try as much as they can make out of you. And surprisingly, you know, I narrowed it down to because at that time I didn't knew these podcasts, Facebook groups, even if they existed, I don't know. Uh, as I said, I didn't even knew what private label was at that point. Uh, so somehow I managed to get some samples from two or three different suppliers. So I contacted, I think about five or 10, I narrowed it down to three. Then the third one was really not that responsive because they understood I'm not a big seller anyways. <laughs> so they thought I was wasting their time. So it came down to two of them. One of them was, I think about three or four years gold supply. The other one was seven and eight. So I pretty much thought that I was going to go with the seven and eight, just, you know, the mindset always say that, you know, go with someone more experienced. But I thought, let me still order samples from both. Surprisingly, when the samples came, the one with three or four years were more professionally packed. They had different materials. So they had like different stickers on them saying, you know, what the material difference is. And, and 
then I thought, you know, let me just go with the three or four year supply. I don't want to go with the seven or eight years, even though the pricing was half. Um, but I always wanted to go with the better material and they had different materials. So, and they kept on, even they, they kept on pushing me. They said, don't buy the most expensive material because you won't be able to sell. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, you know, if I go, I'm going with the expensive material, whether it you know, works for me or whether it doesn't work for me, I don't mind. So they were quite surprised as well. And when I got samples, I mean, obviously I couldn't do packaging. I didn't have trademark or anything as such, you know, at the end of 2013. So it was pretty much bulk pack. And I created the listing. It took a lot of time to even learn how to list it uh, at that time, you know, to get the EA and numbers and stuff. Mm-hmm. So all those was quite exciting. And it was quarter four again in that time. So I had a little time, but I started selling. I promoted it. Um, the worst part was there's no packaging. And then if you are promoting a premium item that goes to a customer, which is not even retail pack, is going to be a big problem. But what I did is I wrote a thank you email, which I used to print out on an A4 sheet. And that's when that's uh, in that I used to wrap the actual product. So that became more sort of like my actual packaging, the A4 white sheet. But then I used to explain that, you know, um, you know, just like in few words, I used to explain that uh, I'm sure you were hoping, you know, you were hoping to receive a premium product. And when you open this, you might have thought it's not premium because it's not, it's not even packaged, but I'm a new brand. Uh, and, you know, I'm just trying to see if customers like the product. If, you know, if I get a positive response, then obviously I'll move on to uh, packaging and stuff like that. And I started receiving five star reviews for all of most of the orders that I had. Wow. So I used to email them. Uh, and if I don't know if you remember, but all the softwares that existed at that time, even right now, I think it's only like last few months, UK versions came out. Otherwise, there was never any. Amazon third-party software is available for UK market. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an email software or anything like that. Uh, and I started getting, I think, about 50, 60 orders a day just for that one little item. Uh, it wasn't making much money. Initially, it was some, I mean, I started selling below cost because there was no PPC at that time. And everyone just gets confused. Like, how did you sell? Because if you remember, when someone types something like, say, HDMI cable, you know, they'll get results. And then there's a small portion of customers who would then go on the right hand side tab and they would uh, you know choose it from low to high price yeah so filter it so that's what I, I or probably any other you know kind of private label seller at that time relied on that someone will pick up something because it's just low price even though it doesn't have use so that's how the sales started coming in then obviously started ranking um, and pretty much in 2014 I decided you know that uh, let me just re- like properly brand it up and sell it so that that's it that's how you know private label started probably under my brand in 2014 that is very interesting so so you 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 went there you validated the um the, the well the product and, and and the demand um it's so fascinating the fact that um you wrote them emails and they responded you, you got you know quite positive responses one question I have is um what were your return rates like um on in reality and what were your what was like your shrinkage um because many retailers will factor in shrinkage which would be like returns or defects um so and from your books um the what, what what did the theory how did the theory differ from the reality without packaging initially um pretty much the product is because it was like below seven pounds to be honest so it was a very regular item that you would buy something like a hdmi cable so i had zero returns in a way some wow. some people had problems and I would just replace it because the cost of replacement wasn't high just to help them out. And as I said, you know, this is a product, something where it's such a common product 
But then all the other retailers and, you know, including the big retailers, they all took, uh, you know, took this like that. They took this into their mind that customers know how to use it. And what mm-hmm. I invested my time was in writing a how to instruction, basically, in that letter uh, that I used to post them. Okay. Um, which again became like uh, you know like a leaflet later on once I started branding it, but initially it was on that A4 sheet, so it, it had some instructions on how to use it, which pretty much every other retailer probably ignored it. Um, I saw some YouTube videos, so I, I believe that that's how you know uh, like customers were probably some of them were finding out. Now it would be something you know very kind of uh, basic like say if you get a butter knife everyone knows how to use it but say if it has to be used in certain sophisticated way so that they get better results out of it that's what's what you know what was on my instruction and pretty much every other retailer was ignoring that I guess that was the main reason I started getting five-star reviews and you wouldn't believe I think up to my first product variation which had I think two or three variations mm-hmm. it had mm-hmm. up to about 40 so it was in different sizes and stuff like that but initially, when I had only a few of them, I think up to about 1,400 or 1,500 reviews, my average rate, you know, uh, rating was 4.9. So it used to still show up as five-star reviews, up to about 1,500 reviews. After that, it went down to 4.8. So, you know, then it shows 4.5. And there's no other seller with so many reviews, apart from one or two big retailers, but they were all like 4.2, 4.5, whereas I was rating five-star. So... It was quite easy for customers to at least click on it, whether they bought it or not. Well, that was another story, uh, but that's how it progressed. So that really helped my boost my, you know, you, you just dominate the space. Fantastic, fantastic. So, um, let's just for for our listeners, um, you you did. I'm just confirming. Um, what kind of sales did you eventually do? And what's your turnover in um, in 2014? Now that you had um, the private label business in full swing. Yeah, I mean, uh, because as I said, it's a, you know, low value product. So mm. still the numbers, as in the revenue still doesn't look uh, that big. And anyways, it's you know, the bottom line anyways, which matter. But still, I, I was able to reach $1.2 million in 2014, which is about 850K in pounds. Mm. Uh, this year, the 2015, obviously, because I did a little bit of more retail up as well. Plus, I have my product two now, uh, which has a lot of variations. Um, so I was able to do about $2 million, which is about 1.3 million in pounds this year. That, that, that is not bad I mean, at all. You know, from, from, from the beginnings to, to, to the story and, you know, the way it's, it's moved. Now, with, with regards to the, the revenue and um, your where you sell, do you sell predominantly only in the UK or do you also have your listings in other EU countries? Um, I actually didn't even have kind of i mean that that's i should say that's actually kind of my fault i didn't really uh place too much importance on the other marketplaces as of yet in fact uh this was just before quarter four there's another team which is called amazon's global team they contacted me and they were basically asking me if, they, if i wanted to list on amazon.com uh, and they would do all the listing i mean it doesn't really take much time but they said they will transfer all the listings and stuff like that and then they will allow me to take part into all these like you know the lightning deals and special deals and uh, unfortunately you know the uk business itself keeps me so busy at the moment <laughs> that i did list i send the products they allowed me to appear on lightning deals for a day or two as well uh, but unfortunately yeah, the stock is still there it sells about two three or four units a day on amazon.com but unfortunately i couldn't give that much time because 
very few people actually know about this, uh, which I just talked to you about, you know, before the interview started. I think apart from my students, they don't know um, that I actually started doing more like a consultancy business as well in 2013. Uh, uh, not 2013, sorry, that was end of 2014. So my private label product was all good. But then, you know, we all keep hearing about these like horror stories that Amazon obviously boots you off and something similar happened to me on eBay anyways. Mm. So I always had that in mind and I said, what happens if something goes wrong? So rather than, you know, a lot of people say, why don't you employ and like increase your business? So I used a little bit of a different strategy. What I thought was, and obviously I had, again, limited finance. I mean, you know, with business, the finance can always be limited because there's no limit you could you know go <laughs> kind of big guns as much as you want to be honest this space you know the amazon space is so huge and then i thought rather than me employing someone and increasing my business because i had the same thing just like when you work for another company you have limited interest because the company doesn't give you that much benefit mm. you know when you sell something I, i've seen that that's why i had to quit my pc world job i used to love you know retail i used to love to talk to customers and it just go on and on about the products as well the, unfortunately, the problem was there was no direct relationship between the efforts and the rewards because these last few years, we all know, you know, the sales uh, commissions have, you know, just completely gone off apart from a few retailers. They don't really pay you commission. Like in the world, we had commission, like when you sold a computer and you sold a Norton security with it, you sold like a insurance with it, you get like a couple of pounds commission only if the store hit the target. And in my three or four years tenure there, the store never hit the target. That's a caveat. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then you think like, circumstances you know, beyond your control. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, no, I mean, I've a couple of hundred pounds extra, but because some other people are not really that serious about their sales job. You know, the, the, that that's the problem with the job. You know, like, and I thought if I employ someone, even and I, I'm probably not a very good employer, not as in like a person, but you know, everyone has their own strengths. I know my people's skills are not really that good. I'm good at talking to people, you know, and stuff like that. But I know managing, uh, you know, a group of staff wouldn't be that easy for me. So I thought, and then obviously, you know, if you want to increase like twofold or threefolds, you need like finance again. Uh, you need, you know, people to carry, uh, you know, look after the new products as well. And I thought there were a lot of people who shown some interest. Initially, when I told them, you know, I was going to start this business, everyone said, are you crazy? You want to start this product? After a year, which was end of 2014, when I showed them my Amazon account and the brand, what I've done, they were surprised. And then obviously then some people who had money but no experience wanted to jump in straight away, yeah. which I could let them in because it's like hard work is done and now everyone wants to get into the business just to <laughs> take, a, take a share. So that that's not going to happen. I'm not that bad as a businessman. Um, so then there were some genuine people who said that, you know, if there was an opportunity, they would be able to put some time and they would put some money as well. But they don't want to do it like like this, like a full time thing. They would do this as a side gig. So mm -hmm. I thought, you know, it's not really bad because then I have this shared uh, kind of uh, profits from them. So I, I have now four clients. Actually, I'm letting go of one of them because they now are so excited about Amazon that they want to actually increase it 10x. And I said, I don't have time to do that. So I have two retail app clients and I have two private label clients. So I pretty much used to handle most of the stuff. I mean, the private label, some of them actually don't even know their supplier. All they know is when they need to transfer the money. <laughs> when wow. wow. Going. So, and, so is it like a mastermind you, you organize or um, do you just consult one-on-one -on -one with, 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 with these people, with, with, with your clients? 
Right. It was more like a consultant. So, I mean, I said that, you know, you pick up your niche because if I select the niche, then it's always going to be the one that I like, which is not good. Mm-hmm. So they chose the niche that they wanted to get in. Then I said, okay, if this is the niche, then, you know, I'm going to give you about 10 products. Choose something from these 10 products, which you think are good in your niche and you know a little bit about and you would be excited to sell about. So then they narrowed it down. Then I chose certain suppliers and that's how it started. So they know suppliers name and stuff like that, but they never talked. Some of them I've never even talked to them. Uh, is me who actually, you know, started conversation on Skype and it's pretty much just reordering. So I just tell them that this is the invoice number and you need to pay. But just two weeks back, I sat down with one of them because they wanted to go 10X. And I said, I was hoping to cut it down. <laughs> a little bit more time on my uh, you know stuff yeah uh so yeah pretty much it's like that so i get i mean i charge them as a consultancy fee whatever the bottom line profit is as 50 percent. so uh so it was a good good experience i thought that way you know i'm spreading the risk as well you know if something goes wrong and you know with the amazon account then i've got other four businesses that i can be part of exactly you're diversifying and working on your strengths which is which is most important okay so so, so touching back on on exactly where you sell um do you do you you sell in the e i know you have you sell a few products in the usa but do you sell in the eu like um in germany france you know spain you know those core markets or um, is it predominantly in the uk um, is I would say at the moment at the at the moment is ninety five percent in UK. Okay. Uh, there's a equal amount of opportunity at least in Germany and Italy that I know. So you know the global team that I mentioned. Similarly, they have I think they have now you know FBA kind of managers or managers in all these marketplaces that that they are trying to attract, you know, people to sell on their platforms as well. So some of the listing, they got translated, you know, they did it. They just emailed me that if I wanted to translate, uh, because then it just gets connected to your UK pool anyway, then, you know, it can be shipped from here, from FBA. Mm-hmm. So they did activate it. But unfortunately, that that's the reason why I'm saying I had to invest so much time into the into these like consultancy stuff. And then suddenly I decided after the webinar, when people approached me that if I wanted to teach them. So a couple of, and I didn't know even how to, you know, start a blog. Yeah. So, and I mean, even if you go to my blog right now, it's one of the first blogs someone can get, uh, uh, can do anything about Amazon. Uh, well, the, well, the, the but there, there is that core content which is most important. The the, yeah. the message is is most yeah. important. Yeah, I guess at least it helps some. Uh, and this all started when actually uh, I started the podcast, and then uh, I don't know if you know Jake Robinson who does like these webinars. Uh, he invited me, and then I got onto the webinar. Uh, and there was like obviously mostly UK people who came on the webinar, I okay. think about 60. And some of them said, you know, why don't you start a course? And that was like 5 a.m. in the morning. And I said, I think about it today, but I don't even know how to create a course because I don't even like to work on Excel sheets, to be honest. <laughs> that's that's why probably I, I wasn't a good accountant. <laughs> 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 because I, I hate monotonous jobs and, you know, like yeah. all the jobs where you need more patience. Uh, I'm not very good at that. Yeah. So, well, uh, and somehow, you know, I thought, you know, let me just do this because it's probably a side gig which could benefit anyways. But it was mainly to help out other people. I'll be very honest, because then you just remember the days when you started. Uh, and, you know, I mean, most a couple of students who approached me were into a similar situation. And I thought, let me give it a start. And I told them that, you know, give me 14, 15 days and, you know, I'll, I'll create a course. So, again, then I went on a couple of podcasts where I asked question, you know, how to create these like uh, online uh, platforms to create the course i found online you know videos and somehow i managed to get the course on uh, and that's how it probably started so 
yeah, I do sell on all these platforms, but it's very limited at this stage. The The issue is that my plan in 2015, last six months, was to expand all these like European marketplaces in the same uh, you know, way and in same quantity and along with that, you know, the dot com as well. But because of all this and then quarter four again, because I do retail out, especially in quarter four, it became so busy that I couldn't do anything. Uh, so 2016 is pretty much all set for that. So dot com and all the other marketplaces. In- okay. Because, okay. um, yeah, I can imagine the potential you, you have because, um, you know, UK is a proof of concept and you know, with the support of the, the Amazon global team, your you know, sky's the limit in 2016. Okay. Let's, let's talk about, um, selling on Amazon. And, um, you know, I, I, I like to bring this topic up, um, quite a lot with, um, with, with Amazon seller, you know, selling experts. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's about the ever changing landscape of, of Amazon. Um, so, so here's the thing. So, with re- especially with regards to retail arbitrage, um, selling on Amazon is it is it at the moment a race to the bottom um, from 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 your perspective um, on price, especially when Amazon comes in with you know their strength, um, their the price and strength um, to just undercut you know all other sellers. Um, what what are your thoughts um, on the current um, landscape and selling on Amazon as a retail arbitrage, you know, business and the future? What the future holds? Okay, are you are you just talking about the retail arb or private label as well? Retail arb. We'll, we'll talk about the private label right. shortly. It's, after it's quite actually exciting. Um, the one good thing that I've always learned, and you know, I'm I'm quite positive uh, about anything. You know, whether as I said, you know, with the Hawaii thing as well, I never thought how much loss I made. I always thought how much profit I made initially. And then, you know, it gave me an idea that I should start something of my own as well. So I always look at things positively. Mm-hmm. I, in fact, find more and more retail items where Amazon is actually selling because sooner or later, sometimes they do go out of, go out of stock. So it's much better. Um, the other thing I would say is, yes, you know, obviously Amazon will try to undercut you. Not only Amazon, I mean, there's a lot of other things. So when you grow, you're VAT registered, so you can't go at a certain level. But a newbie who's just starting out with five or ten units can always undercut you. And there's hundreds of such part-timers who will, you know, keep undercutting you most of the time. But one thing I realized, you know, once I started doing this Amazon and in business as well, that things are going to always evolve and you need to change your strategies to uh, kind of evolve and change as well. If you resist change, then it's really hard. And that's what I'm actually seeing some, including myself. I'm guilty of that as well initially. But then I quickly adopted that I needed to change my strategy as well. So initially, if you remember, when I had limited amount of funds, my strategy was finding an item which is end of line. Now, I know a lot of people do online arbitrage and retail arbitrage, as in they just check the offer and then they'll see what's the current price on Amazon. You know, like they use these scanners and stuff like that. And that's it. They, 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 you know, they buy whatever they can sell at profit. But I just looked at it completely different. I always look at it that you need to know a little bit about your niche. So even with retail app, like say you got toys, you got electronics, you got so many different items. I kept on doing retail app only in one particular or two niches that I used to monitor. So I would see the patterns, what was going to happen with that. So just to give you an example, like say for an example, if I was dealing with something like say, uh, like like an iPhone thing, I would know that you know after every two years there's going to be a new iPhone. After every one year there's going to be a Samsung phone. So I knew when those products in that particular range are going to go out of fashion. But then there are customers who still like to get the old products either because they uh, you know they're used to that products and people resist change, 
Uh, you know, just like say for an example, cameras. You know, there there could be a reason why people were buying those. You know, um, uh, flip camcorders because they were probably using that in their schools and colleges for some work, and then they wanted the same one to replace the broken one. Mm-hmm. So I then my strategy at that time was studying. You know, the end of like uh, kind of end of. Uh, trend items i could say rather than end of line and i would concentrate if i could get that because i had limited funds i needed to sell low but then make higher profits as time moved back i didn't have that much time then especially after i started pl so now i don't have time that much time to go out and search for those gold you know gold nuggets so then i had to change my strategy now i have money the money comes you know faster especially now because you can withdraw daily so now I can find even items which are not reduced by retailers, but a quick check can show me that I can make a five out of it. But then I know I can sell fifty a day. Okay. So, so I, you just order fifty straight up. Or so I can order five hundred as well now if I've got money on my card, you know. Okay. So, so that's so I have to now mix up. So I have some items which I can hold as well. Some items I'll quickly churn, even if I can make a couple of pounds. So as time goes by, you know, the competition changes. Amazon obviously is now would try to retail out any every possible item that they can, even if they want to make loss. And you can read that about their books as well, that they make losses on anything they can, you know. I mean, the uh, only thing they're making profits on is Amazon Web Services, which, yeah, that, which is a SaaS business. <laughs> one of the, I think, most sustainable at the moment because it's hard now for anyone else to kind of compete there anyways. Uh, but yeah, I mean, even with the products as well, I mean, they're going to buy each and every, you know, if, if any big retailer in UK is going to do any offers, they're definitely going to price match it mm-hmm. straight away, whether, you know, whether they make profit or not, because they want. And I mean, if you go on certain forums like Hot UK Deals and stuff, mm-hmm. you see some some someone posts a deal like, you know, like, say, for an example, like Tesco or Walmart in the US. I mean, for them, it's something like, say, Walmart, to give them an example, have posted a deal that this product is available for £30. The second or third post straight away, people are going to compare. So what's, you know, what's what's this uh, price for this same item on Amazon? And if it's same, mm-hmm. then people will start saying, you know, in these posts, if you go, oh, I just ordered it from Amazon because it's next day with Prime. So that's the first bit that everyone, can, you know, compares nowadays. And Amazon knows that. So they try to price match everything. But you, you if as a retailer customer, you know, a seller, you need to know that Amazon is not going to continue to sell at that price for a long time. Because they, they so, have limited number of stock. Right. So you need yeah. to start learning your strategies and, you know, learn from there. You have different strategies, you know, like you hold the stock and sell it, uh, you know, like a better price later on. Some items you got to keep selling quickly. Some items you can make even loss if Amazon doesn't never runs out of stock and undercuts you most of the time. So... Right, and just, uh, and just get out of that market and move on, get it, out yeah. of that product and then move on. Um, okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I like the posi- posi- the, the positivity because um, if, if you're not positive, you cannot actually move on and, you know, just take on challenges, really. Really, really good yeah. stuff here. Okay, so with regards to um, PL, um, wh- what do you think is the current sort of you know, um, strategy, um, or to, to sort of prepare people, what, what, what does the landscape look like for PL and, um, how, and is it viable, you know, for going forward, looking forward, you know, well ahead from your perspective? Um, I'm certainly positive as usual, you know, like I would say, yes, definitely there is, but yes, there is going to be an increased competition, uh, especially in the low value item or even like a cheaper version of any product. Uh, because obviously, you know, 
sellers from China, even black from India now, and a lot of other places like European places, they're going to start listing on .com and the UK uh, and the European platform and even on .com because they can now use FBA. So it's going to get worse day by day, but then it's like the pie is getting bigger as well. So there are more people who are shopping online day by day uh, for each and every product that they need, you know, so it's always going to get better. Uh, but then you have to be a bit creative like say for an example there's so many different businesses like if you go now there are some businesses who sell like thousands and thousands of products uh you know uh, anything and everything they can sell like private label because they probably have their own factories in china uh, they don't really care much about packaging they don't really care much about quality they they're probably mainly you know making money based on how much like the volume they can sell even if they were making a pound line item kind of stuff mm-hmm. so my strategy was very uh, kind of focused as I said initially as well I went for the one of the best material I could source even though that's what's going to be expensive uh, and I thought I would retain you know that portion of the market who wanted premium product in that particular niche uh, there were others as well so you know I'm not saying that there was not others but there were some who were already established so they was charging two or three times there were a couple of ones who were similar to mine uh, so we are kind of still competitors in a way because they try to price it exactly the same as I do. Uh, but everyone has their niche. So, you know, the big sellers or the big companies are always going to dominate where they can sell a lot and make a little bit of that, uh, a little bit of margin, but they can sell a lot. And then there's that premium element uh, where customers, you know, are only 10, 20%, but then they buy always the premium product. So that's where I concentrate. And that's where you have to get a little bit creative, which is what, you know, people talk about now, like bundling and stuff like that. Like my, my, uh, kind of you know a positive point was that I had a premium product and I provided instructions which pretty much every other retailer then followed in the UK and, and the I, trail okay. yeah and and you would be surprised I, I had to keep it kind of a secret that I could even put that uh, the extra bit that I was giving them along with the instruction in my actual description because if I did that then next day that you know the competitor is going to read it so I waited that unless the customer, you know, the competitor orders my product, that's when they will know. So pretty much that that I guess no one really noticed that thing until like six seven months, and then everyone started copying. Some even made a better version of that thing what I was doing, um, and it just pretty much became quite obvious then for everyone that you know what I was doing. Okay. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So, so that premium driving that premium experience really will enable you charge more and thrive basically against competition. Um, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Right. Okay, let's delve deeper into um, retail arbitrage and um, your your retail arbitrage strategy. You mentioned that in Q four, that's when you specialize in retail arbitrage. Is is there a reason um for for this? Just um for the, the last three months of the year operating the last three months of the year and um how does um yeah how does it look like really your strategy with retail arbitrage and what do you recommend? Right. So I mean until the end of twenty thirteen, you know, so 2011, 12, 13 was only kind of retail up kind of stuff. But again it was very limited based on the funds I had. Uh, even though it was increasing day by day, but it was it wasn't something like suddenly I had like you know twenty k and it was gonna go nuts because it still had to wait fourteen days. I, I personally think if Amazon would have gone you know this daily disbursement way uh, long back, my business would have been like five or ten x now. Mm-hmm. But you know 
but then you you can't really have everything so it, that could have needed the others would have started selling more so, so are you alluding to the fact that amazon actually gives um cash on a daily basis so they give they they, they allow they they dis- disperse cash um or sales um to to, to sellers on, on the same day now or you can basically so you can request one disbursement every 24 hours on the european platform now you really can. okay i didn't know that so that makes a lot of difference because then if you have a fast moving item, you wouldn't mind making a small profit because you know you can sell, you know, like the same amount every day rather than selling only five. You can sell 50 a day. Gotcha. Get the cash well. in, put it back in, get the cash put in, back put in, it back in. Back in. You can source the same products again. And because if it's a retail app kind of items, then, you know, you don't get similar items again. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so so the reason why I mean, as I said, you know, 2014 start was again, I started concentrating more and more and then. You, you just mind just starts opening up more when you start doing private label. So I still prefer 100% doing private label because I personally think private label is like once you have a new product, you have to obviously work up front. It's more hard work. That's why 99% of people don't want to do it because, you know, your mind, there's a voice in your mind which keeps saying, do you really want to <laughs> go out of your comfort zone? <laughs> uh, and I think I, I think now there's loads of these like, you know, ways to promote which people are saying that, you know, do giveaways and stuff like that, which again, I'm seriously uh, against. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be give. you know, I mean, when we, once you move on PL, I'll, I'll talk about it, but I'm seriously against that kind of strategies anyways. But, but yeah, retail up. So at the end of the year, we all know in quarter four is obviously big. So I thought I don't want to completely get out of something which I had worked on for so long. Because again, I still buy most of the times like toys are big, but this is the first year actually I ever sold toys in in the entire four or five years. I've never sold toys. Uh, mm-hmm. So I concentrated on certain niche, uh, you know, retail app items and I continued to buy them and sell them. So, I mean, the last quarter, it gets bigger. And you think once you've got private label items, which are already selling a lot, like to give you an example, because I was doing all this consultancy work, I started the podcast, which I didn't do much episodes anyways. By academy and then you know the consultancy work in pretty much right from start or uh, end of october or november i haven't even touched my uh, private label products until uh, january so i knew mm-hmm. that i had enough stock so i sent their stock and it was selling comfortably what i wanted to sell so i didn't have to do anything once it has already started ranking you know people uh, you know it's making consistent sales yeah we- I- yeah, sorry, Scotty. I just absolutely love the leverage, you know, the time leverage where you you invest and, you know, your time, your efforts, your creativity at the start of a private label business. And off the back of that, it just pays dividends over time. So long as you get that ranking and you're, you're delivering customer service, it, it's, you know, it, it just returns. And yeah. it's fascinating. Yes. It's just a completely uh, exciting place. I mean, when, when we go on the, re, you know, private label, I'll talk about it. But yeah, as, as we all know, you know, retail app is obviously the biggest in quarter four. So I always never avoided it because it was like, I don't want to let go something which I've already learned for three, four years. Mm. Uh, but unfortunately, in 2014, I still didn't do too much, to be honest. I mean, I didn't do anything in October much. I didn't do in November. It was only, I think, December. I you know I started doing a bit more retail app in 2014 and then, uh, I had enough stock to do a good amount in Jan as well. But then I realized that, you know, that's a big mistake I did because I should have continued to do at least for the last entire quarter because I'm just letting go 
even though I'm doing PL now, but that doesn't mean that I should just leave the, you know, the, and most of the time, you know, when, when I talk about retail app, most of the time it's more sort of like online app I do. So okay. kind of deals I see, you know, like how it works in the UK, like Argus and Tesco. Yes. So you just order and go in store because I don't have time to go in retail stores and scan. In fact, you'll be surprised. I've never done that actually in the end. Yeah. So when I talk about retail app, I'm mainly talking about online app. Yeah, I, I tried it um, this Christmas, actually. Um, there was We went into Sainsbury's Christmas Eve <laughs> and um, we saw something that was like a third of the price and I'd been hearing all this podcast and stuff like that. And I right. I, I installed, am um, I going to the Wi-Fi, I installed the Amazon seller thingy um, app and, and then I scanned and I was like, whoa, it's three times. It's three times the price. I shall buy this. I, I shall have five please <laughs> and i did it they're quite bulky items um right. and i i looked at the whole thing i i looked at um the fact that um so i called the ups you know chaps and they came around i did all the labeling and the printing it, it is hard work it is still hard work um i, I know for for set buying online um if, if they're bulky it's hard work but if, if it's kind of like you know small stuff you know like phones and just tiny stuff you know things you right. can hand and you know you, you i guess there's 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 opportunity there but it, the, these were quite bulky stuff i think they're like vacuums i bought <laughs> vacuums, yeah, vacuums and they're like a third and you know people were looking <laughs> my neighbors were like well how, how many things is he bringing out of his car and, <laughs> but yeah it, it is yeah, it yeah is quite it, interesting it's, it's a lot of work i mean our, that, that's why you know i mean a couple of webinars that i did i said I mean, I'm not completely against like retail app. I mean, it's one of the best opportunity you could have because you're not even doing hard work. I mean, your hard work is like Can't you probably are shopping with your family in a you know mall and suddenly you spot a deal. Just scan it and see it. That's your retail app item. So it's quite easy because it's already ranking and stuff like that. The only problem is it involves a lot of work. Now, I, I realize it more because this like, and you know, uh, in this November and December, I did about 300K each month. Wow. Uh, from, from retail arbitrage or um, it's, it's combined but obviously you know the, the pound looks big because there were a lot of retail ab items as well so the the pl was selling regularly but a little bit better than obviously other months because of the gift you know people might be buying them for gifts as well like pl items but it couldn't have increased so much so it was definitely because of retail ab items but i mean on black friday i think i did about 55k just on black friday Whoa. and and I could have done more because, as I said early on, it's only me and my wife, to be honest. So, yes, I was <laughs> going to ask you about your team. <laughs> yeah, that's it, pretty much. We are the only two people there. We don't have warehouse. Everything just comes in and goes out of my house. And it's getting a bit uh, tight. <laughs> yeah, at the moment, because it's like, you know, this is our first house we ever bought. So, uh, we don't want to turn it into a warehouse. I mean, when we were renting, it was still okay. <laughs> So this like uh, January, like you know, the first week, I actually I went and see uh, to see those storage spaces, and I spoke to them that I don't need it right away, but I needed to see how it, you know I can work from here. Okay. When, so so approximately, how much how, how much jump um, do you have? Um, how, 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 from a retail arbitrage standpoint, um, what volume of products to, to com, well, comes in in this Q4 um, into? How, how how many products do you actually handle in in Q4 approximately in um in this? Oh, I could be doing like 50, 60 items at a time. Um, wow. Sometimes I would just go deep. So if I know that this item is going to sell, I would just buy a few hundred items, you know, products uh, like kind of units of each item. So because that that makes it a little bit of easier when you don't have a bigger team. Okay. Yeah. Uh, even though I try to spread it, 
so I might sometimes have got, you know, 50, 60 odd items, but most of those items might have been smaller quantities. I mean, I would have concentrated on few items and I would have gone deeper because because of the limited time I have, you know, even like when you print your labels, if you got like one and two of each, you have, you know, like you're searching for the items that you need to label. Yeah. That takes up a lot of time. Yeah. So but that's how you have to space. So that's how you evolve. So when you start, you know, you have you should probably spread it more, even if you find an item where you can make a lot of money rather than going, say, if you had only 500 pounds, I mean, if someone is starting today, rather than buying one item, I would say, even if you are making 10 pound profit on one item and you're getting 50 of these, don't buy all 50, buy only 10 and try to find other items if you can get. Because because if someone else started stocking that item and you have to somehow pay and at the end of the month that credit card and those people have got you know money to sit on, then, you know, they will always undercut you and then you'll have to probably clear it out. So if you can spread it between 10 different items, you have less chances of, you know, happening all at the same time, similar kind of situation. Mm-hmm. As soon as you progress, so you got a little bit more money, then your strategies change. So as as you grow, your strategies should same. Like for them, now, at the moment, now I can't just sit and, you know, keep scrolling for different offers that would give me the same profit as I had on those Cisco, uh, you know, flip camcorders. Otherwise, I would be sitting there whole day finding one or two units that's not what i want to do with my time now it's it's a thing about speed really um from from what i gather from from all what you said you know how quickly you're able to move and then get your money back and you know um it's it's, like i could see a lot of experimentation you know going on so if something's like bad you you get your money out really quickly and then you put your money back in to and buy something from the profits. Okay. Um, and the other thing I gathered from, from, from your, from, from stuff and from what you said, um, especially the fact that, you know, there's some, some items where you're buying two, three, maybe even 400 units is down to magnitude, um, where you identify the magnitude because you know that, um, you know, Amazon is selling 50, 100, even 200 of that particular item, you know, a day. So, so how do you sort of, um, do you, do you always check the bestseller rank, you know, um, in on oh. Amazon to, to, to sort of validate your purchase before you hit the buy now of 100 units on, you know, say maybe an Argos or, or, um, uh, Tesco? No, normally no. I mean, sometimes I do actually. There's all these bestseller ranks and everything. I only started, even though I used to be on these pages for years, I've never noticed them because bestseller rank didn't mean anything to me. Because if Amazon suddenly decided today to, you know, just sell a 40 pound item for 10 pound just because they wanted to clear their shelf, it's going to show as a number one bestseller today. And if I just saw the same item today in, say, Tesco, and I just based my decision on that, then I'm going to think, oh, wow, you know, number one item. But it's number one item today because it's a 40 pound item selling for, you know, 10 pounds. And I wait for 20, 25 pounds. Maybe customers don't want to buy that at 20 pounds. So I never really looked that much at bestseller rank. But that's what I said. I have always been more sort of like, like my PL as well. You know, if you, if anyone listens to my podcast, I mean, I keep saying, I mean, a lot of people say, don't marry your products. But I always say, you know, go into niche, which you're either passionate about or you have knowledge about. It has to be at least one of those two things. And you pick up any big brands who have made it. Maybe I don't make it that big, but look at Apple or anyone. That People who created their product, they either loved their products or they were at least knowledgeable in their products. That's how they knew what was going to happen. So when I said, you know, when I did retail app, I always did in certain niches retail app. So even if I found a vacuum cleaner like you did, I wouldn't say. Now you mm-hmm. might think, you know, that's, that's just kind of stupid in a way because... <laughs> You can see that you can sell it at three points, but I know that I don't know. I haven't been uh, kind of looking at these, you know, items in long term. So sometimes just like for the, like the example that I said, you know, if Amazon has cleared it today, that's why the reason is ranking high and is selling more. Once it goes up, customers might not buy. 
So, mm-hmm. and then then the limited space you have. So I had certain kind of rules or, you know, uh, you can say in my mind that I would only kind of buy these kind of items. So with my past experience, when I just look at the item, I know whether that's going to sell or not. 99% of the time, that never goes wrong. That makes sense. So it's, it's just down it's to, just to business, yeah, business fundamentals, really. It's down to the business fundamentals and your marketplace knowledge, just understanding that industry, understanding, you know, that particular niche really in, in, um, in retail. It's fascinating. Really, really good stuff. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X e-commerce to help you get more actionable insights and e-commerce growth hacks that will help you 2X your online retail business. Hop over to 2xecommerce.com. It's a blog dedicated to e-commerce and multi-channel marketing run by the show's host, Kunle Campbell. 2xecommerce.com is packed full of articles and guides to help increase traffic to your store, increase repeat purchases, and average order value. Thanks for listening. Visit 2xecommerce.com.